0: You're listening to the Better With Books podcast, a weekly podcast for entrepreneurs looking to bridge the gap between reading for business and reading for fun. I'm your host, Kate Hollis, conversion copywriter and part-time librarian, ready to guide you toward finding meaningful, actionable insights into yourself, your clients, and your business through works of fiction and creative nonfiction. Join me each week to discuss a new title from genres ranging from fantasy to romance and everything in between. Unconventional? Definitely. But that's where the good stuff is. Think of this as your own personal on-demand book club, one where reading the book is 100% optional and all are welcome. Come for the book recommendations and stay for the inspiration, because I think you'll find that your business and your life will be better with books. Hey there, welcome to episode five of the Better With Books podcast. Uh, as promised, we are continuing our discussion of light summer reads because it is mid-July and that's really all my brain can handle this time of year. And just because we're li- reading to or listening to books that might be considered fluff, that doesn't mean we won't still find tidbits of inspiration that we can apply to our work as entrepreneurs. And if you are looking for a permission slip to read on the beach and consider it work, this is it. (laughs) Consider this your permission slip. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about a genre that inspires some pretty polarizing opinions and that is romance, which I think is a pretty misunderstood and maligned genre, and one that has changed a lot in the last decade. Um, I myself have only started reading it in the last year or so, and I mostly started because I have, a number of colleagues I work with at the library who are avid romance readers, and these are people whose taste in books I find really interesting and whose opinions I really value and respect. So I was like, okay, if they're reading romance, then I think there's something here that I want to explore. And I turned to romance novels at a time when I had kind of burned out on reading like intense books and I just had basically a a reading hangover and was like, I cannot handle another book for a long time. And so I essentially treated it like a hangover. And sought out something that was basically the literary equivalent of a hangover food. <laughs> and I read, or I checked out a audiobook of a romance novel by Emily Henry. I like to think of kind of these fluff genres, like romance, as almost ice cream for your brain like it's not good for you in a traditional sense but depending on the kind of day you're having or whatever is going on in your life sometimes it is exactly what you need and it becomes good for you in a different kind of way so i listened to this audiobook and i it did exactly what i hoped it would and I just really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I don't hide the fact that I read and enjoy romance novels, but I don't talk about them too much, only because I'm still fairly new to reading the genre. And I don't have as much experience or loyalty to it as I do to other kinds of fiction. But I will defend romance against a lot of the negative opinions that are out there, because I think it offers a lot more to be appreciated than many people give it credit for. It's often viewed as, you know, something that is trashy or smutty. And, you know, sometimes even described in terms that I find just straight up mean, you know, there are people who characterize romance novels as being, you know, written by like sad, lonely, desperate women for other, you know, sad, lonely, desperate women. And I mean, not only is that not true, it's also just, to me, like a horrifyingly misogynist sentiment. I just guarantee you that anyone who holds an opinion like that that they've never read a romance novel and are totally not entitled to any opinion, never mind one that's so strong. But, you know, this idea that these are books that are written, you know, for, quote, sad, lonely, desperate women who, you know, like just want a man to complete them. I am just so struck by how, like, openly misogynistic that sentiment is. And, To me, I take that as an invitation to delve in a little bit deeper to see like, what exactly is it about romance books that are so polarizing and seemingly threatening to people? And so, you know, I did my research and this is what I think it comes down to the fact that Romance is far and away the most popular and profitable genre of fiction. Like, it's not even close between number one and number two. And it also is a pretty progressive genre, too, that it doesn't often get credit for being. so. You know, romance is a genre that's really focused on inclusion, like lifting up authors of color and featuring queer love stories, addressing a range of social justice issues as part of the novel's plot lines. And just more generally, this writing is just really good. Um, These authors really have a knack for understanding the workings of the human heart and telling a story that just like grabs onto you and makes you wanna just keep reading and reading and reading until you get to the end. And, you know, I found that I was really struck by their unique ability to do this. And it got me thinking a lot about other kinds of narrative driven writing in the business world. And in particular, like sales pages and sales messaging in general. So, you know, I have some thoughts on that that we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. But first, I'll tell you more about the book itself. So the book that we're talking about in this episode is titled Part of Your World, written by Abby Jimenez, and it's a New York Times bestseller. It came out in 2022, and the author has not only written five other books but is incredibly accomplished in many other ways she is a baker and an entrepreneur who owns three locations of bakeries and she also competed on and won two different food network specials cupcake wars and holiday baking championship so anyone who thinks that women who write romance Novels have nothing good going on in their lives, like clearly need to see Abby Jimenez as a case and point that that is not true. So this book features um, an equally impressive main character. Her name is Alexis. And Alexis is an emergency room doctor who is part of kind of medical royalty. So generations of her family have worked and led this particular hospital in Minneapolis, and she really wasn't given any other career path option by her parents then to go into the medical field. So she, you know, not only is expected to be a doctor, but a very high profile one, and on the track to be in a more administrative role so that she is the face of the hospital because her family's legacy has kind of become part of like the history and the lore of this particular institution and is a big draw for hospital donors. Um, But Alexis just really likes being a doctor who provides direct medical services to patients. Like she's not super interested in being in a more High level role that kind of removes her from a profession that she genuinely enjoys, um, but her you know her family is very overbearing, very strict expectations that not only directed her career path but also greatly impacted her choice in a romantic partner. So at the beginning of the book. Alexis had just ended a long term relationship that she was in with another high profile doctor who her parents were just crazy about, but who we learn it was emotionally abusive to Alexis. And, you know, Alexis leaves him, kicks him out of the house, but for the remainder of the book, he kind of keeps popping up and trying all of these different ways to continue to control and manipulate her. And she has to do like a lot of work to kind of heal and get back on her feet. And so as she's on, you know, this new path, she has a chance meeting with a man named Daniel. She was driving on a country road, middle of the night on her way home from a funeral and her car breaks down. And she's waiting for a tow truck that doesn't come. And, you know, Daniel arrives to her rescue and, you know, he fixes her flat tire or whatever. And she goes on her way, says, thank you. And she thinks, you know, that's that. She just had this kind of chance encounter with a handsome guy and that it was just going to kind of be this like footnote in her her life. But she stops at a local bar on the way home and runs into him there. And, you know, the rest is history. So she goes home with him and immediately becomes unexpectedly smitten with him. Like she learns that he's a carpenter and he makes really beautiful handmade furniture and art. He runs his family owned, historic bed and breakfast. And he's kind of like the unofficial mayor of their town. And he really loves and supports his community. And she just finds it really endearing and very attractive. So the rest of the book is kind of about, you know, her going like back and forth between her like posh, Um, city life as a doctor and this more relaxed, humble environment with Daniel in the country. And she kind of reaches this point where she's having this dilemma where she is falling in love with Daniel, but she knows that her family will never approve and that she really can't keep her career in the city and also be with Daniel because he is so deeply connected to the place where he lives and the people in his community. And, you know, there's a fair amount of, like, conflict and tension, but, you know, it all works out in the end, as you would expect. I won't go into the exact details about how it does so, but it is very satisfying. And I I think what I appreciated most about this book was that although I didn't relate exactly to Alexis and Daniel's relationship I did appreciate that it was a it felt very real to me in that it was not just based in physical chemistry but in mutual respect and admiration. However, if you are looking for a book that delivers a fair amount of steamy, spicy content, this book also delivers in that regard. Um, I would caution you, though, that (laughs) you might want to be deliberate about where and when and around whom you listen to it, because it can get pretty spicy. Um, And like, this is a story that I've told a few times where um, I was listening to it in the car and my son was in the backseat and it was just this kind of totally like mundane dialogue scene where Alexis and Daniel were on the phone and it just kind of like took a turn. (laughs) and like alexis had just gotten out of the shower and she was wearing a towel and like on the phone the actor who does daniel's voice um has this like very like deep raspy voice and he says something like are you naked and then i heard the little voice from the back seat say are you naked and i just like totally cracked up. And then, you know, whenever a kid knows that they can get a big reaction out of you, then they're going to continue to do that thing that caused it. And so for the next two days, my son was running around going, are you naked? (laughs) Um, So just consider yourself warned. Okay. But to kind of turn our conversation back to business, you know, this book really got me thinking about the pacing and narrative structure that we follow in the copywriting world when we're working on sales pages um you know because even though like things heat up pretty quickly between alexis and daniel the overall development of their relationship is actually really slow and gradual It takes time to unfold and develop, and you really start to feel invested and connected to these characters. And I think that is why the romance genre is so appealing and so successful because it's a slow burn. You know, it kind of welcomes you in and kind of guides you along, relies heavily on details and emotions and, reaches a very satisfying conclusion because it takes you on a very curated journey from start to finish on the other hand you know most mainstream representations of relationships in media um you know sometimes literature are written by men for men and so you tend to see You know things that are more sensationalized or fast-paced, you know, quick to resolve, not a lot of depth. And in the copywriting world, it actually reminds me a lot of when people criticize long-form content. You know, there's so much rhetoric of like, you know, quote, just get to the point. And I take issue with that. Like, I personally enjoy a well-written long email or long form sales page, because I want details. Like I want a story to make me feel connected to your brand and to trust that you are the person I want to give my money to. And so I really want the person I'm buying from to like, take the time to really show me who they are what they do and why I need them. Like in general, this kind of like hyper-masculine messaging this kind of like bold bravado is just really off-putting to me, you know? And if there's something that we can learn from the extreme success of the romance genre is that like, this is true for many people in your audience, like probably about half even. So like, I'm all for, you know, being clear and eliminating like unnecessarily long sentences or words, but like not at the expense of the overall narrative, you know, another criticism people sometimes have of romance novels is that they are overly formulaic and, you know, to an extent that is kind of broadly true and is also true of part of your world. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, You know, yes, this book definitely invokes certain tropes that you expect from romance novels. Um, So, you know, you have the main character who is a successful career-driven woman who, you know, meets a man who lives a very different kind of life and learns that she could, in turn, have a very different kind of life herself. And, you know, she has this, like plucky best friend and in her relationship with Daniel, you know, there are like a number of different conflict points where their relationship is on the rocks and then, you know, ultimately they work through it and reach happily ever after. And so I, I'd argue that not only is this not a bad thing, it's actually really good because these are touch points that the reader looks for and are strategically invoked to keep the pace of the story and to ultimately just control their experience of it. And that's the ultimate goal of a sales page. You know, you want to hook the audience, keep them intrigued, but still feeling secure and like move them toward a conclusion that they know to expect because they do know that you're going to sell them something. And the touch points on your sales page obviously are going to be very different than kind of these Tropes in a romance novel, but your audience is subconsciously expecting certain things from you. You know, they want a hook that grabs their attention. They're expecting that you'll show them emotional intelligence that demonstrates you understand what they really need. And they expect there to be certain predictable sections that speak to the details of your offer, And we'll kind of connect the dots for what it'll do for them. And they want to build a personal connection with your brand through thoughtful storytelling. And like, I don't think it has to be like bold or over the top. I mean, if that's your brand, then like, absolutely go for it. But to me, the best and most effective messaging and the best love stories they take time to unfold. And there's so much dialogue in the online business community now around the importance of email nurture sequences. And, you know, that's built on this same premise because you don't expect all of your clients to buy right from the get-go. You need to build rapport and connection. You know, yes, some people are intuitive buyers and they will make a decision really quickly, or they will buy based on brand recognition or testimonials alone, but that's not everybody. And, you know, I would encourage you to be hesitant when anybody gives the advice to kind of just get to the point because. It's a very specific male dominated approach that not only doesn't work for everyone, but actively invalidates and cuts down other approaches, which I'm just not okay with. You know, you can be clear and allow yourself the time to explain, build rapport and make a connection. And you can read romance novels and still be an intelligent, highly motivated entrepreneur and read something that is just plain enjoyable, but also give you something to think about in terms of your business. So if you're interested in buying a copy of Part of Your World and want to support the show at the same time, uh, there's an affiliate link in the show notes um, where you can get yourself a copy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Better With Books podcast. If you like what you heard, please share with friends, fellow entrepreneurs anyone who loves to read and share books. You could leave a review on your preferred streaming platform so that this podcast can be found by other people who love books as much as we do. You can also support the show by purchasing the titles I discuss using my affiliate links, which you can find in the show notes. The books I discuss on the Better With Books podcast are not sponsored by any third parties. I just pick them because I like them. All opinions are my own. Join me again next Friday to nerd out about another book and email me at kate at betterwithbookspodcast.com to let me know what you think about today's episode and anything else you might like me to talk about in the future. Until next time.